Um, it's also my pleasure today to introduce to you um, our guest speaker. Salvador Hernandez is the pastor of Centro Cristiano, a Hispanic church that has been meeting here at uh, our facility for the last two years. Uh, Salvador spoke for me back in July and just knocked it out of the park and uh, just so excited to have him back in the pulpit today. Um, Salvador, I announced last um, Sunday uh, to the congregation, if you weren't here and didn't see that video, I announced that as of January, Centro Cristiano and Salvador Hernandez and that church will become a part of the Chartel Church of God. Uh, they will officially become a part of our ministry. Salvador will be the pastor in charge of Hispanic ministry for Chartel. He will become a full-time member of our staff. He will be able to leave his job at Arvis Bank where he's been working for the last several years and give full time and attention uh, to, the, his, uh, to the Hispanic work that meets here. And they will be uh, Chartel in Espanol. And we are so delighted and excited to have them as an official part of our Chartel Church of God family. So right now, get ready. Salvador is going to be uh, sharing an important message with you today. So what do you do with Jesus? Would you give a very warm Chartel welcome to Salvador Hernandez? Thank you so much. Thank you. We are, I am certainly blessed and excited to become Chartel in Espanol. Yes, there are so many people that need to hear the gospel. And I have worked for over 10 years having two, three jobs. You have no idea how much this means to me and my family, and especially to the ministry that we can develop around the city. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I am excited for that and very, very nervous this morning to preach the Word of God. I'm telling you, it's never an easy thing. So be gracious with me, especially with my way of I pronounce some stuff. So be paying attention so that you kind of try to catch what I try to say. All right. So may the Lord help me this morning. And our uh, lecture, our Bible verse of study is Matthew 27, verses 22 through 24. And so let's listen to the word of God this morning. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. And they all answer, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. Never such an important question has been formulated by human lips. Pilate was a very intelligent man. He was skeptical, knowledgeable of many religious religions which he had come to doubt everyone and everything. But he is about to do the worst decision he has ever made. He has a man right in front of him who has not committed any crime, 
and is questioning him to try to find something that might help him as a judge to do a verdict of guilty, to condemn Jesus. And John chapter 18 gives us a more detailed description of what happened that day when Jesus was in front of Judge Pilate. I cannot avoid to think, just try to picture with me, Pilate, the governor, and Jesus right in front of him who has been brought by the crowd. And I, I just cannot avoid thinking that the Son of God, the all-powerful God, the creator of the universe, who has legions of angels at his command, who is the most powerful warrior, who will come again for his people. And the Bible says that every knee shall bow before him, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord for the glory of God the Father. It's right there in front. Seems so fragile, so powerless. Even in this moment, he is in perfect control of the situation. He chooses not to use his power. To give you an idea, when you go to the second book of Kings, chapter 19, verse 35, right on that verse it says that that night the angel of the Lord went out and killed 185,000 men among the Assyrian tents. When those left alive got up early the next morning, they saw all the dead bodies. One angel of the Lord killed 185,000 men. Can you imagine what would have happened had Jesus commanded a legion of angels to defend him on that day? Jesus chooses to be in control. Even if it appears so defenseless, so that he can fulfill God's will of salvation. You and I know this Bible verse probably since we were kids. For God so loved the world, say with me, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16. And Pilate, the honorable judge, the governor of the people, the one who seems to have control of the situations. And he even dares to say to Jesus, don't you realize I had power <laughs> either to free you or to crucify you? Though it seems he has control, he doesn't. In fact, people, he doesn't even know what to do. His wife has warned him. Matthew 27, 19 says that she sends him a message. And the message says, don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Can I just pause here for a little bit to say, may God bless our wives when they advise us to do the right thing. Amen. Amen. You know, not all the time, not all the time, I'm not being general, but sometimes, man, we can just be a little bit stubborn. And it's not a bad idea to listen to what our wives have to say. I read a meme that said, 
If at first you don't succeed, try doing it the way your wife told you. <laughs> and here goes another one. Marriage is a relationship in which one is always right and the other one is the husband. <laughs> I'm joking, you know that. Truth is, Pilate should have listened to his wife, don't you think? But he didn't. He probably pondered on what she said, but he didn't listen to her. Instead, in the pressure of the moment, he tries to appeal to the compassion of people. He's asking a judge that, needs to, that he needs to know what to do. He's trying to put the answer to his question to the people. He's about to ask the wrong crowd because this is the people that brought Jesus in the first place. He probably thinks, well, it's Passover season the custom is to release a prisoner from jail. And so he comes to ask to those who brought Jesus to be judged. And he asks the question, what shall I do with Jesus? Does he really not know what to do? He's an educated man. He knows about law. He is the governor. He didn't get there just because. But yet, you know, he, he knows that you cannot condemn an innocent man. He has found no fault in Jesus, even after interviewing him. But, of course, he knows what to do. But you see, history tells us that he was in an awful standing with Caesar. One more mistake in how he handles things, and he could lose his position he could lose his power, and he could perhaps even lose his life. And the Jews deemed siding with Jesus a big mistake. The mob tells him, either you kill Jesus or you are not a friend of Caesar. And for him, his social standard, his status, his position, his fame, his power, to be able to show Caesar that he is with him, that he honors the Roman Empire is more important than justice and truth. How sad is that? He drowns his conscience. He drowns the truth. He ignores justice and washes away his hands. I'm innocent, he says. I am innocent. And Jesus then is crucified and killed. The most horrendous torture a man could endure during the time of Roman Empire. It's very important for the author of Matthew to leave this question in the Bible. Because that question is now our question and the way we answer this question will determine the way we live in this world and where we will spend our eternity. What would you do with Jesus? The evidence of history is undeniable. The story of Jesus, the fact, the existence of, the existence of Jesus is a fact. But was just a good teacher. 
Was he just a moral man? Was he just a great leader? Was he someone else, as Pilate thought, just trying to pretend that he is the Messiah? And in the words of C.S. Lewis on his book, Mere Christianity, and I quote, he says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying that the real foolish thing that people often say about him I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he will be the devil of hell. You must make a choice. Either this man was and is the son of God. Or else is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and, and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. The question is for you and me today. The question is for our world. What would you do with Jesus? And so it is with a spirit of love that I want to present to you, suggest to you three things we can do. Number one, we can listen to him carefully, or we can dis disregard him irreverently. We can listen to him carefully, or we can disregard him irreverently. Pilate, of course, he had to know about <clears throat> Jesus prior to meeting him. The news of his life, his ministry, his miracles, his popularity couldn't be ignored before Jesus came to see this judge. A file was presented about the nature of this man that he is about to interview. He knew that the man in front of him was not an evildoer because he hasn't found any fault in him. But he didn't listen carefully to what Jesus had to say. Because probably the voices of the crowd were louder. Crucify him. Because probably the voices of fear... As to what Caesar might do to him is unable to show, if, if he is unable to show leadership, was louder. Because the voice of social pressure was probably louder. Because he didn't choose to remain on the side of truth. He disregarded Jesus. He had failed to see the Son of God. The one who said in John 8, 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There are many voices around us today and they are loud and sometimes they're very loud. That could easily make us lose our attention from God and hinder us from seeing his presence and hearing his voice. Sometimes... I dare to say that we pay more attention to the voice of pain that we have experienced. The pain is so loud inside of our soul. 
that he doesn't let us see that Jesus is right there in front of us. Sometimes it's the voice of sadness, the job that you didn't get, the plan that you wanted to implement that never happened, the marriage that didn't turn out to be how you wanted, or the loss of someone that you were not ready yet because no one is ready to lose anything, no matter what, that sometimes hinders us to see the voice of comfort that Jesus is there right in front of us. Sometimes it's the voice of fear when we look around in our world. Yes, Oklahoma City is so beautiful, but when we just look, we cannot avoid but to see what's happening around our world. 45 dead people in, in New York and just this week and what happened in Kabul last week, two weeks ago. And when we look around, we say, where, where is Jesus in all of this? And sometimes the voice is so loud that we fail to see that he is right there as he is here with us this morning. And sometimes it's the voice of the world and the culture that tells us in the words of Pastor Francis Chan it is a very scary lie that to think that you are a good person because the culture and the world tells you you are a good person, you are a good moral person, and because you are good, you do not need a savior. Why would you need saving if you are a good person? Many voices are speaking to us. Elijah, the prophet of God, had a very difficult time of depression. The Bible says that he wanted to die. He cried out to God and said, Lord, just kill me at once. I no longer want to be alive. The Lord let him be. He slept. He sent him a chef. The Bible says an angel chef that made him food. And then he kept going all depressed inside until he went and hid inside a cave. And when it was time to come back, the Lord asked him to take a step out of the cave. Listen to what 1 King chapter 19 verse 11 through 13 says. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord what? He was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. <laughs> when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. And went out and stood at the top of the cave. How did God speak to him? A gentle whisper. Jesus is in front of Pilate, and he is whispering, Are you the Son of God? Jesus responds, You say I am. My kingdom is not of this world. I have angels that can come and kill you all. He didn't say that, right? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If you know the truth, everyone on the side of truth recognizes it. 
He's whispering to him one and one because that is how Jesus loves to be. He loves to talk to you personally. And even after you go out of the church this morning and you go to take lunch and then you go home, he wants to speak to you one on one. But he didn't listen to him. Because the voices outside were louder. Maybe today is the day that you and I can turn to attention to that gentle whisper. He has not forsaken you. He still loves you. He still has plans for you. Maybe the question is not only what will you do with Jesus, but what will Jesus do with you if you give him your life today? Amen. Number two, we can accept him as king or be ruled by the things we do not want to. Jewish people were governed by the Roman Empire at the time. They were taxed beyond their means and oppressed by this cruel government. But when Pilate comes out and asks the mob, shall I crucify him? They say, what should I do with Jesus? The chief priests reply, we have no king but Caesar. Listen, they hated the government. They hated Caesar. They didn't like the way things were handled. They expected Jesus to take the throne. But because he didn't happen, then they are here declaring, we have no king but Caesar who is our only king. And they even tell him, anyone who is against Caesar is not his friend. All because they rejected the true king. I believe that some people can become so, so used to the oppression that they think things cannot change. One of the most famous quotes of St. Augustine is this, Our heart is restless until it rests in you. My brothers, we were not created to be empty but, you know, if Jesus is not filling up the void in our hearts, then something else is. And most likely, it is the very thing you do not want to. Is Jesus king or something else is ruling your life? I thank God for the life of my friend that I will call Juan just because I'm Hispanic. You know, I could call him John, but... Since I'm Mexican, I'll call him Juan. Three years ago, his wife told him she no longer wanted to live with him and was going to file for divorce. He says that he couldn't sleep that night. But when it was early in the morning, he got up, took a shower, got ready to go to work, pulled his gun out of the safe and put it in the back of his pocket. And he went and did something he rarely did. He went and kissed his three daughters and told them, I love you. I love you. I love you. His 14-year-old daughter found that strange because he didn't do this often. So she knew something was off. When she turned away to see that he was leaving, she noticed he had the gun in the back of his pocket. 
And she ran to him and hugged him and said, Dad, please don't do it. Please don't do it. And they called 911. He had planned to end his life that day. Why? Because he couldn't see his life without his wife. He had allowed his wife to become his God. And he couldn't see beyond that. After much pain, counseling, and the support of friends, but above all, the transformation that only Jesus can give you and me, he has found freedom in Jesus. Some people have led addiction take control of their lives. They don't want to be addicts. They wish things were different. Some have left their past become a, become a constant present. Some others may think their problem will never change. There is a man in the Bible that used to lay there. You're going to have to help me because I have problems saying this word. The Bible is in John Chapter 5, the, the Bible said that this man was an invalid. Did I say it right? In the first service, I say invalid. <laughs> the Bible says that he was an invalid. Okay, I said, you get it now. For 38 years. Now, 38 years is a long time, and being in one condition can make you think that. Things will never change, right? Moses had been a shepherd for 40 long years. He could have never imagined that his name would be in the Bible as the man God used to deliver the people of Israel. You have no idea what God can still do with you no matter how old you are. But this man had been in the same situation for 38 years. And one day Jesus comes again one to one. And though there are many people around this place, he goes with him and asks him, Do you want to get well? You might think, why would Jesus ask that? It's obvious this man is there because he wants to get well. <laughs> but perhaps... You can ponder a little bit with me that he might be used to the situation of his way of life and maybe even refusing to change. Jesus asked this man, do you want to get well? I'm here to give you that opportunity. And then Jesus tells him, get up. And take your bed with you. See, before the miracle happened, there needs to be an action. Men need to make a choice. Either you believe in him and obey or you disregard. Either you make him your king or you let your situation become your ruler. Get up, Jesus said. I just can't imagine Jesus. Get up. And the man just gets up and the miracle happens. 
The same is for us. God is not done with you or me. Do you praise him this morning for that? And finally, we can receive him as truth or continue to search for it. Pilate asked the question that many people are asking today. What is truth? I was reading an article, an apologetic article that I don't know what the author was, but it really caught my attention because it said this. Many years ago, you could begin a discussion on the truth of God's existence with someone by talking about the reasons why you should believe in God. Now, sadly, you have to begin with why we should believe in truth at all. We live in the era of relativism where what you say is truth and what I say is truth. And everyone is right and nobody is wrong because we all have our own truth. And if you say that, then you're right. If I say it, then it's right. But you know, the only truth to the relative truth is that it is not truth at all. Jesus declared in John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father. But before he said, Jesus said, he, Jesus replied, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The kingdom of God is here. And he is calling you and me. Not only to see Jesus as some moral man, but to see him as king, to receive him as Lord and Savior. You can accept the truth or keep searching for it. However, if you receive Jesus who is the truth, he said, the truth will set you free. What? So will you do with Jesus? I'm finishing, paying a little bit. Pilate said two things about Jesus that are registered in history as the foundation of our faith. First, in the trial of Jesus, we know that he was found innocent. A man who was not a Christian said it. A man who was not a Jew said it. He said I find no fault in this man. So the question is, why did they condemn him? Why did Jesus die a horrible death? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Praise be to God this morning. When, Jesus, when God sees you and me, he doesn't see you. That's what God doesn't care what you are wearing this morning. You all look so nice, by the way. But he doesn't care what you're wearing, what, you know, is your perfume. He doesn't care what car you drive because when he sees you, he sees Jesus. And we have been covered by his blood. And second, Pilate made the following declaration. Here is the man. Without realizing it, he made one of the greatest confessions at all times. Jesus is the incarnation of God in the human flesh. 
showing forgiveness. He came to search and to save that which was lost. Those who are ready to receive Him as Lord and Savior in a moment will be saved forever. In a moment, they will find the King. Pilate then asked the question, What should I do with Him who is called the Messiah? You and I must answer the question. And we must do it before He comes back again. Because one day, every knee will bow. Just picture this with me. Every knee will bow down to Him, even those who do not want to. Every tongue will confess, Jesus, you are God. You are Lord. One day, the sad thing is that the mob said, crucify him. His blood will be over you and your children. And they said, let his blood be in over our family. No wonder why when he was in the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. I thank God that he is my king. Do you thank him with me this morning? I thank God that we have received him as Lord and Savior. But there are so many out there that still have not. And we must tell them. The king is coming back. What would you do with Jesus? Perhaps you're being discouraged this morning. Because things are not going well with your life. Let me tell you, he is still there. Right here. He wants to whisper. He wants to say, be still. And know that I am God. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for dying a horrible death so that we may become children of God. The question, what would you do with Jesus, must be answered. Let us answer it today, Lord. May you find the people in this place and those who will hear online. Have such a heart that they can say, Jesus, I want you to come and rule my life. I want to listen carefully to what you have to say. I want you to be my king. I want to live in the truth. May you do what only you can do as we speak your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone says, Amen.